This podcast was recorded prior to the events of last week. The thoughts and prayers of all of us at DTS go out to the families who have lost loved ones in this last week in Minnesota, Louisiana, and Dallas. While this podcast does not directly address the issues pertinent to each of those cities, it does deal with the overarching issue of race and reconciliation within our country. As Christians, Focused on the gospel of Christ, we must engage these difficult topics, even if it means stepping outside of our comfort zone. We hope you reflect on this podcast. Welcome to The Table Podcast, where we discuss issues of God and culture. Brought to you by Dallas Theological Seminary. Welcome to The Table. We discuss issues of God and culture. I'm Daryl Bach, Executive Director for Cultural Engagement at the Hendricks Center at Dallas Theological Seminary, and I have two very distinguished guests with me today. Uh, Brian Carter, Senior Pastor at the Concord Church here in Dallas, and Jeff Warren, who's Senior Pastor at Park City's Baptist Church. And they've got a wonderful story to tell us about the way in which their ministries uh, work and have come together to a certain degree. And so I'm going to start with you, Brian. Tell us a little bit about how did you get to be Senior pastor at Concord Church. What's your background that prepared you for ministry? Well, I'm a native of Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, okay. and uh, entered ministry as a as a teenager. Had uh-huh. a heart for ministry, and uh, then went off to school. Most of the pastors I knew were bivocational, so uh-huh. I was going to be a school teacher, a principal, and a pastor. Oh wow! Uh, graduated from Oklahoma State, moved uh-huh. to Dallas, and then went to Dallas Seminary. Got on staff at a local church, Concord Church, uh-huh. and not long thereafter, uh, the, the founding pastor, Dr. E. K. Bailey would invite me to be his assistant and successor. Mm-hmm. And so for now, 12 years, I've been there serving faithfully and uh, having a time in my life serving God's yeah, people. That's great. And, ha- and have you been senior pastor for how long? I've been senior pastor for 12, 12 years. years. Uh, so you've been at Concord longer for, than uh, 15, 16, since oh, 2000. Wow. Since oh, 2000. Wow. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Very good. And Jeff, what's your, what's your pedigree? What's your story? Yes. Um, I grew up in Charlotte, North Carolina. Okay. Um, I felt a calling into ministry while I was in school. I was at East Carolina University where I was uh, played a little soccer, and I was an art major, if you can oh, believe that. wow. Okay. And, um, and so we talk often about the art of the sermon, the art of leadership and such. But um, came out here, uh, and, and right out of seminary, uh, went to uh, Park Cities to mm-hmm. be the youth pastor, actually. Huh. And then uh, from there, after about, what, eight years, I was the youth minister, then became young adult. Uh, pastor, and then ultimately over all married adults, associate pastor ultimately under uh, Jim Dennison. Dr. Dennison was sure. there and served with him for about a year. Then went to up to First McKinney, um, where I served for 11 years as pastor there, and thought I was going to retire there. Mm-hmm. And and then the Lord called us back to Park Cities, mm-hmm. where I've been the senior pastor since September. Uh, was that 2001? Five years I've been there. And so uh, Park Cities is a Southern Baptist church, right? Right. And did you? where did you do your seminary training? Yeah, I went to Southwestern okay. back in the day. That's Interesting. Okay. We can, we can yeah, right? That. <laughs> uh, hey, we have DTS uh, yeah. ministers on our staff. Yeah, there you go. We send folks <laughs> right. here yeah. as well. Yeah, we sneak into all kinds of strange yeah. places. Well, hey, <laughs> shout out to all my, you know, yeah, the Southern Baptists. My grandfather, who was the pastor at in Charlotte, first mm-hmm. Charlotte for a while, uh, was the president of the Southern Baptist Convention back when go. I was uh, probably before I was born? But uh-huh. anyway, yeah. So That's you asked cool. about pedigree. There I, you lo- go. I love Baptist churches because you, you say first 
First, uh, what is it? First, uh, first in Charlotte, and I'm going. It's First Baptist Church in right. Charlotte. Right. First, there's, only, there's only one church, right? Yeah, so, yeah. So that's great. Well, we're glad to have uh, both of y'all with us, and I, I think I, uh, I want y'all to tell us the story of how your ministries have have touched a base with each other, and kind of just to set the context for this. Um, I was thinking of well, what passage could I possibly mention that kind of set up the conversation? And I was thinking of the wonderful passage in Ephesians two eleven to twenty two that talks yeah. about the reconciliation that Jesus Christ brings, not just between individuals and God, but between peoples. Yes, and uh, a wonderful, terrific passage. And reconciliation is one of Paul's favorite words for what grows out of the gospel. Yeah. So you guys are a living illustration of that, and. Brian, I think I'll let you start us on how in the world did you guys end up uh, ministering side by side? I forgot to ask you one question, though, and that is Concord. Tell a little bit about its pedigree. We've mentioned that, that uh, sure. Jeff's at a Southern Baptist church. So Concord's a Baptist church. Uh-huh. Uh, we, we, we changed our name several years ago in that kind of season, but uh-huh. historically, our, our roots are deeply rooted in, uh, the, in the Baptist church. Uh-huh. And our church is in the southern part of Dallas. Uh-huh. Uh, it was founded nearly 40 years ago uh-huh. and uh, just built around being a, a healthy church based on Acts chapter 2 and fulfilling the Great Commission. Well, that's the, great. Uh, the theme of our church is we grow people, uh-huh. and we, we try to, our whole focus around people growing people uh-huh. by connecting them with their next step with Christ, oh, and great. so it's a it's a joy to watch us try to serve in the community, mm-hmm. which is a big part of who we are, right. as well as helping people to move toward maturity in Christ. Right, that's great. Okay, so 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 I've got you and Jeff here. So why are you and Jeff here? So we're here um, because our churches were connected by both of our predecessors. That's mm. how it originally started. They mm. had a friendship mm. and a kinship uh, some fifteen years ago, uh, and so when 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 the two of us uh, began our ministries, people kept saying, y'all need to know each other. Mm-hmm. So we met, we connected. So you inherited this relationship. <laughs> a little bit. I think yeah. there was a time, a season yeah. when there was yeah. a gap there. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. And even back when I was the, I was over men's ministry uh-huh. uh, at a time when I was at Park Cities previously, and <laughs> and we did some things even before E.K. Bailey had left pastor passed away mm-hmm. at that point. But uh, so there's some history there for me, but I was told Jeff, if there's any church that kind of mirrors or a leader right. mm-hmm. in the southern sector of our city that kind of mirrors you and mm-hmm. I think you have a lot in common, would be Brian Carter. Mm-hmm. So we started to get involved in a thing called Movement Day right. here right. Uh, in Greater Dallas. Yeah, sure. And became real central to that. And it was through that that we Really came to know each other. I think it all started with the lunch. You know? So the reconnect uh, is actually relatively recently. Am I, am I probably reading the last that? two to three years? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Right. last two to three because, years. Because, uh, as you said, you've been senior pastor for for twelve years, right. and you're and five. five. That's right. Uh, predecessors, I take it, are E.K. Bailey and Jim Dennison. Do I have That's that right? right? Okay. Right. I mean, so right. they established the relationship, and it. Uh, I'm 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 hearing echoes of of experience that I had. We we partnered with a church down the road from us. I went to Trinity. Fellowship in Richardson with a predominantly African-American church down the road from us, and uh, and it went well for about a year and a half, and then sure. it just kind of slowly, because sure. everybody gets busy, yep, right. uh, drifted away, and we never we never recovered uh, from it. So I'm, I'm, it's cool to hear 
yeah. that you guys reconnected. So, so talk a little bit about that phase of things. You're you're you've had the relationship, but it's kind of it was there, but and you got together. Is it Movement Day that spurred it on, or was it? Um, it was Movement else? Day, and then just just us spending time together. Mm-hmm. So we've had lunch, and then the unique thing that happened was the Trayvon Martin mm-hmm. Ferguson. Mm-hmm. All these dynamics been the, begin to hit the national Eric, news. Eric Gardner, Eric Gardner. Then okay. even the Oklahoma, right? You know, and then we begin thing. to have a conversation. What happens mm-hmm. if that comes to Dallas? Okay. How, how does Dallas respond to something? And we begin to realize how divided we were. Yep. Interesting. And so around that conversation, we begin to say, okay, how does the church respond? How should we be preparing for these matters that are happening across the the country? Mm-hmm. Uh, but how should the church respond? So we begin talking about that. Mm-hmm. And around that conversation, we then begin to host roundtables with pastors. Mm-hmm. Uh, he brought um, five to ten white brothers. Mm-hmm. I brought five to ten black brothers. And mm-hmm. we'd sit around tables at lunch having conversations about, around what does racial reconciliation look like? Oh, that's great. Uh, how, is, how is racism evident in the city of Dallas? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what is your experiences? And so around these tables, pastors are telling their stories, mm-hmm. and we're entering each other's worlds mm-hmm. as we have conversations about. And so some pastors are saying, okay, how do you address it? And mm-hmm. some are saying, I don't talk about those kind of issues mm-hmm. at my church. Mm-hmm. Others are saying, it's a regular part of my pre. And so you've got all yeah. these dynamics in a right. room. Right. And so we have a few of these roundtables mm-hmm. uh, just talking. Mm-hmm. Um, and then out of that, uh, the movement day begin to challenge us to say, what would happen if you guys, why don't y'all think about swapping pulpits? Mm-hmm. And so we said, okay. And so me and Jeff, we decided, okay, now let's take a next step. We've been talking about uh-huh. it. So last last Palm Sunday, not mm-hmm. in twenty. Not this year, but 2015, yep. we swapped. Mm-hmm. And so on Palm Sunday, he's at my church with his praise team. I'm at his church with my choir. No, I bet and that was exciting. <laughs> oh, man. It's, in- it's incredible. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, what really, the you know, what triggered it we, as we became friends, yeah. and that's, that's going to be the common theme here, yeah. is, you know, you've heard, you know, the gospel travels at the speed of relationships. Right. And, and for us, uh, that's been really a theme. I mean, I, I, I tell people, you know, I, I don't just I love Brian Carter. Mm-hmm. Um, I like him. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's my brother. I love mm-hmm. being with him. Mm-hmm. I'm encouraged by him. Mm-hmm. And so we we were just just prior to coming in this room, we mm-hmm. were sharing some of the right. woes and challenges. And hey, what you been up to today? So we we encourage each other. We had lunch, you know, a week ago. I mean, mm-hmm. we 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 get together regularly. But when we when we when Ferguson went down, mm-hmm. you know, that was the thing that for us we said, not so much what if, mm-hmm. but when. Yeah. That happens in Dallas. Are yeah. we ready for this? And is the faith community ready to rise up and to speak into it? And we determined uh, we can't do so if we don't know each other. Right. And so we've got to know each other. So that started with us. But then we realized we needed to share the love, as it were, and get some more brothers together. And that was the series of meetings we had. We, we then had another meeting uh, down in really the southern sector at a church there in, in uh had, had, gosh, I don't know how many, 50, Probably 50 to 60 or so, pastors more there. pastors come yeah. to just get more and more involved. We'd have discussions around the tables, fascinating oh, yeah. conversations. Yeah, right. yeah. well, we'll, we'll, we're going to come back to that because that's okay. an important part of the conversation. Uh, uh, you remind me of, of a conversation that we've had at the Hendricks Center. We had a Hispanic pastor and an Anglo pastor call us about nine months ago, went out to eat, and, he, and their concern was basically the same. They, were, they lived in Mesquite. Mm-hmm. And uh, they said, you know, we've been looking at what's been going on around the country, and and we've gotten to know 
one another and we're encouraging and we're actually talking to the police department mm-hmm. about about what happens if this explodes and how can we mm-hmm. not respond as some law enforcement have responded that kind of thing to keep this from uh, something like this from happening and blowing up our community so so it's not an isolated That's conversation right, right, by right, any right, means right. it's an important one so let's let's talk the the you know this area to be honest really scare some people sure. for different reasons sure. uh, and and so in, in one sense for African American community it's a difficult discussion and for the, the Anglo community it's a different discussion so you put everybody in the same room at sure. the same time sure. uh, I bet that's a pretty interesting deal what what uh, I guess my first question is uh, d- what kind of efforts did you make or did you make any efforts to kind of build some initial trust before you walked into all this sensitivity uh, the yeah. dis- sensitive discussion I think so I, I'd, I'd say this real quick that in terms of trust between the two of us again it just takes time mm-hmm. yeah. and that's where a pastor has to decide with issues that are larger than what he's dealing with on a regular basis in his church we mm-hmm. all got enough to say that's grace right. over in our place right right so you've got to decide I'm gonna spend about 10 percent of my time or so outside in leadership in the community, mm-hmm. in, the, in the city. Right. Uh, Brian does this in big ways. Mm-hmm. You know, I seek to be involved in, in a lot of ways as well. We were invited to this Operation Blue Shield with, sure. the, with the police department to, to speak about issues. So we've been, you know, it's been great that it's opened doors for us. But, but the initial thing for us was um, in regard to just pastor to pastor, he came and spoke during the Lenten season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I came, we, 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 we came together for some citywide prayer initiatives that we had. So we, we really started to get to know each other, see each other publicly, mm-hmm. you know, uh, preaching and such. So on a personal level, there was trust built. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I think with the pastors, again, just to get them together to spend time together is how you build trust, and, get to and, know each other. And part of it is he used his credibility with the pastors he knew. I used mine. Uh-huh. And so they were taking a risk. Uh-huh. I mean, they're entering this room. Yeah, absolutely. And they don't know each other. Right, And right. they're at these tables, but we – we both, you know, lended all we could to say, okay, this is – I think when the national context mm-hmm. was so uh, vivid and so uh, so powerful that someone had to say something. And so mm-hmm. I think – and there was some apprehension. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could see oh, some guys, mm-hmm. you know, being very reserved. You could see some. And so they're trying to nap. And then sometimes there's some theological differences. I mean, there's, mm-hmm. there's all kinds of dynamics happening. Right. Culturally, right. both in the church, both in the city. I mean, just trying to work through. Okay, is it really still alive? Is race? And I yep. saying, yes. I was at this mall, and yep. this is what happened. And so you're hearing right. these, just trying to understand one, and in many cases, just ignorance. Right. So what happens right. when you're pulled over? How do you feel? Right. How do you feel when you're pulled over? Right. And right. just talking through these kind of scenarios were helpful, I believe, yep. because it allowed us just to get a broader context than what we're just seeing in the news. Yeah. You, uh, another thing that we've been very involved with here on our campus is that we've we've had two what are called privilege walks for our students in which we get them to probe the differences in backgrounds that people come sure, to seminary sure. with that kind of thing fantastic and and uh, and there you know it's an interesting exercise because some people really appreciate the fact that we have it sure some people really are not happy sure, that sure, we're doing it sure. but but we feel like if I'm going to get people to think about what it is, who their neighbor is, and right. how they're going to love their neighbor, and right. how they're going to engage with their neighbor, then this is a, these are important, frank conversations to have. And frankly, if we can't have them in the church, right. we've got so right. much in common, right. 
then where are we going to have? We're them? in trouble. That's right. right. So, uh, right. Uh, so let, let's talk a little bit. So, so okay. So I'm I'm pulling you through the story here. So, sure. so you've got these pastors together. You've you know you've played your you've each played your trust card with sure. the crew that sure. you brought in. You lay out on the table the topic among other things is going to be racism. And whether racism still exists, which I, I can t- I can sure. assume is not an easy sure. topic sure. to raise with sure. a group of guys just meeting each other, and uh, what hurdles did you have to overcome? Nah. <laughs> I think I think one on, on the white side, and, and let me back up to say, you know, our churches uh, we both you know come from very large churches, and and. Uh, I, our church is white. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's white, right? Mm-hmm. We have a Hispanic in you know, a portion of our congregation mm-hmm. uh, in Hispanic. The street's even almost white going by your church. <laughs> I mean, that's right. So, so we, uh, you know, we kind of, but there's some levity there. We we joke about yeah. that. You know, there's mm-hmm. some humor yeah. in the midst yeah. of it all. But I'm telling you, in a lot of white churches, it seems mm-hmm. uh, there is this sense that racism is not an issue, right? And then you watch the you know television, and you mm-hmm. realize, wait, maybe that's a problem somewhere. And there's an underlying um, issue that people must address, and it's a gospel issue. Mm-hmm. You referenced you know the mm-hmm. Ephesians two. Mm-hmm. You know Paul said that that he that Christ has broken down in his own flesh the dividing wall, mm-hmm. and clearly that's our sin. But we, Brian and I, see it as a core gospel issue, mm-hmm. uh, and the church has got to lead the way. Mm-hmm. We've said the love of Christ compels us, and the gospel is the reason and the motivation. So what we did find, answer your question, is um, I think there was a high motivation on the part of the pastor. Yeah, yeah that's why you show up yeah. at some point. Oh, man, they got yeah. there and said, we're all in. And then yeah. it went beyond our expectations, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. That's not to say that it wasn't difficult. Um, yeah. You know, you start, to, you start to discover that white privilege is a real thing. Uh-huh. Uh, is not talked about, right? Um, you know, you have no idea yeah. the privilege that you had as a white person. What you in take our for granted as being a given in life is not a given for everybody. That's right. Yeah, sure. yeah. that's right. And to, to watch the news and and we only get clips of something happening, mm-hmm. and you know, uh, it's 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 so good. And to have scripture as the backdrop, right? The truth mm-hmm. that guides us among men who who love one another and love the Lord. Okay. Well, Brian, from your angle, when this went out on the table, I can imagine a couple of things. Uh, one is um, the even the decision to speak to this um, f- from an African American perspective to an audience full of white pastors is sure. uh, is quite a move. So, talk about the hurdles as you see them and, and how you uh, tried to negotiate them. You know. Um, I think one of the the aims, one of the things I appreciate about Jeff is just his willingness to help partner with me in this conversation. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times when an African American pastor or church does it alone, mm-hmm. it just you don't gain the ground. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it can be misinterpreted, mm-hmm. but by his partnership. It just it gave a voice to it. So he's like hacking away at the vegetation <laughs> right. in the room, creating you know, space just, for the conversation. It, it, it gives yeah. it gives a, it gives us a because it doesn't happen often. You right. know, it, it's not often that that we're willing to step in uh-huh. the way he has, and mm-hmm. so that that helped so much to help deal with some of the barriers. And then not only that, but then just I think as he mentioned, I think there was a readiness that was in the room. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just I think when you saw the marches, when you saw Black Lives Matter, all these dynamics happening, and then you begin to present what is the church's role in all of this, mm-hmm. it just seemed as though 
genuinely there was a red. Now there's some skepticism about what goes. Does this really mean anything? Will right. anything come of this? Right. There's some of that in the room, mm-hmm. but at the same time, there's a hopefulness. There's a thread of hope mm-hmm. that perhaps we're on to something. Perhaps this can really help us to to move forward. Mm-hmm. And so, um, it, you know, it was worth the risk. But mm-hmm. I think at the same time, I don't think I realized. Just the differences that were in that room, because mm-hmm. it's not just, like mm-hmm. I said before. It's not just color. Right. It's right. theologically. It's denominationally. Right. You got all these dynamics in the room. Right. Uh, you know, just how they view the church, and so, it, but it was worth it. Mm-hmm. You know, it was worth it having those candid conversations mm-hmm. uh, to help us move forward and help us think more broadly about the gospel. Okay, I'm going to take a shot at this. We don't have a whole lot of time before the break, but I'm going to take a shot at this. I'm going to ask you a, a difficult question, but I think it's an important question. It's a question I actually asked Tony Evans at the beginning of a podcast we did uh, months ago um, about the same topic, and it goes like this. What is it that Anglos don't get about being African-American in the United States? (laughs) 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 You laugh, but yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. That's a good question. Um, Wow. Um, I guess primarily, um, kind of building on what was mentioned before about white Mm -hmm. privilege, just the realities that we face every single day, mm-hmm. that although slavery and the civil rights movement, all those things have happened, mm-hmm. it does not mean that the playing field is not level. Mm-hmm. And some of the remnants of those 400 years and 60, those those remnants still live long after mm-hmm. that are played out every day in our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, so regardless of how progressive things have become, mm-hmm. I think often Anglo-Americans don't understand the dynamic, the, the the challenges, mm-hmm. the the realities that we face every single day. Mm-hmm. That, that racism is something I can't I can't get beyond it. I mean, That's it's right. it's just it's my everyday reality. I have to view the lens yes. right. through the through the fact that whether uh, it's the educational space, whether it's my professional career, whether for my kids go to school, whether the neighborhood we live in, all of these dynamics shape us, and and in many cases limit. Us in terms of us really achieving what would be so called the American dream. I mean, there's, there's, there's dynamics a reality. There. Uh, if I can try and describe sure. this in different words, there's a reality in which uh, African Americans or any minority, this would be true of any minority, sure. I think, has to accommodate itself Most to the larger culture in a way that people who are part of the majority culture don't have to accommodate Most themselves. Right there. And so that makes a difference. Another difference, this is one of the ones that Tony mentioned that I found fascinating. You know, he looked at me and he said, how often have you been pulled over going through a neighborhood just because of the color you sure. You didn't do anything. You just – you're right. just being right. pulled over, yep. and you know it didn't take me long to go through that question. Sure, sure, <laughs> <laughs> that's never happened. Right. Uh, and, and so, um, uh, so, so we don't even see how some of this works. No, it's out. so when I go to school, I have to not only get a be able to get a, a degree, uh-huh. but I also have to get a degree in understanding white culture. Yeah, it's right. mandatory for me right, in, order right. to, in order to be successful or have right. some type of. I have to understand the culture mm-hmm. as much as I do any yep. other academic yep. pursuit that I have. God is a genius storyteller, and the evidence of this is threaded throughout Scripture. In Christianity Today's new show, Holy Curiosity, with me, Kat Armstrong, we explore storied connections threaded throughout Scripture from the Old Testament to the New. Our first miniseries, Connecting Dinah and the Woman at the Well, welcomes experts like Drs. Tim Mackey and Diane Landberg to give us insight and context into the physical location and meaning of these two stories. 
these stories will spark holy curiosity in your own faith. Because once you see these connections, you can't unsee them. God wastes no person, place, or thing. Listen and subscribe to Holy Curiosity with Kat Armstrong on your favorite podcast platform. Let me ask you another question that won't be easy. Sure. I'm glad we got time for this one, and it goes like this. What's the one, what's one thing, I won't say the one thing, what's one thing that Anglos need to hear that they may not want to hear, but it's important that they get about the African-American experience in, in, in our culture? Hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm major. I'm major the hard question. Your time's coming, by the way. <laughs> so. um, I guess an appreciation for the story. They, mm-hmm. they, they have to value our story, mm-hmm. um, and and not think that because of the progress that 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 story is accomplished or fulfilled or mm-hmm. but they have to understand just the reality of that story mm-hmm. that the plight of where African American men face mm-hmm. with so many being incarcerated the, mm-hmm. the the low rate from college grad I mean these are dynamics the the impact of poverty on our community they have to really understand and appreciate the story and that the history of even how that cycle got started right. which which most sure. people don't even I, I would say most Anglos don't even think about they don't think about the fact that African American Family units were broke were broken up by default, right? Right. Uh, and right. so, functioning without a without a family unit was not a given. Right. 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 And so, the the, the threads and roots of those issues still remain. I mm-hmm. mean, the the impact of mass incarceration mm-hmm. the last twenty to thirty years. Mm-hmm. And so, I think it's understanding the story. So, mm-hmm. I, so I think when when white Americans understand the story and mm-hmm. value the story, then that that allows us to be able to. That's so important to understanding us mm-hmm. when they view us as an exception to the rule because we've had some level of success mm-hmm. or or categorize what they see on TV and say, look at those young men. Mm-hmm. Then I think it it hinders us mm-hmm. from really having the relationships we ought to have or yeah. the reconciliation because reconciliation can never happen without a without an appreciation and valuing the other person mm-hmm. and valuing the other person means valuing your story, your history uh, in terms of where you've come from. And mm-hmm. so I think stepping into that space. And even asking questions, mm-hmm. helping people to understand, all of that is crucial mm-hmm. uh, to be able to get where we need to be. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Jeff, it's your turn. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. here's, the, here's the question for you, and that is um, you've, done, you've done some work in this area, and I'm sure you've learned some things in the midst of doing it, but the, uh, what's, what's something you would say, and it's a twofold question, first to the, to the Anglo community about why this is a valuable discussion mm-hmm. and what they need to get out of it. And then secondly, what would you flip the question? What would you say to, to an African-American audience about where the white community comes from on this? So, it's, <laughs> uh, so, um, so I'll let well, you pick yeah, it in I'll, whatever order I'll, you want. I'll answer the first one with, a, with kind of a story and, and jump on what Brian's been talking about. Um, during the, you know, when the, when the Black Lives Matter uh, movement came about, um, I was I posted some things after Eric Garner was, uh, you know, after he died, and um, posted uh, with some hashtag Black Lives Matter, mm-hmm. uh, knowing what I was going to get, mm-hmm. and it happened. People started responding, "All lives matter," mm-hmm. 
And, and immediately I'm thinking, you missed the point. Mm-hmm. The point being that you white people, sorry, and this mm-hmm. is where I'm helpful, I think, for Brian, I can speak to you white people, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. in a way that, that maybe he can't mm-hmm. uh, in some ways. So in my position, I can say, listen, you don't know what it's like to grow up in a culture where where you, you think people are questioning whether your life matters or not. Mm-hmm. That's the black experience. Mm-hmm. That perhaps some people are questioning whether my life matters, mm-hmm. and most of us white people don't. We don't. We've never had that experience. Mm-hmm. So I, I took, for instance, um, one of the things we did my, with my staff. I took my ministerial staff to the to Selma, the mm-hmm. movie mm-hmm. when it came out a year ago or so. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting. Then, then we then we debriefed afterwards, talked mm-hmm. about it, um, which I, I challenge every pastor, you know, leader to do. I, I think for white people to see the story again, mm-hmm. if we don't see it, if we don't learn from someone like like a friend like I have in Brian and mm-hmm. others, if we don't read mm-hmm. a lot, uh, you can you can watch. And what I remember was um, they showed you know the scenes in Selma. Uh, at night, when the you know the the riots were, were started or broken up, mm-hmm. you know, I mean the marches, I should say, mm-hmm. police coming in, and they were exactly the same pictures that we're seeing on the news presently of Ferguson, other places. Mm-hmm. I mean, look exactly like Ferguson, mm-hmm. and and see the in the black mind from generation to generation or just a couple of generations, that's in that's their story. Mm-hmm. That's not the white man's story. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that is in the the thread in the DNA of a black person's experience, and so to step into that story, as Brian said, is so important for for white people to recognize that 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 there's been a different story for the African American, and, and I would say this too that's been helpful for me um, to read. Uh, you know, um, most white pastors don't realize that the letter from the Birmingham jail, um, Dr. King's letter, was to me. Mm-hmm. It was to the white man mm-hmm. who was who was deciding let's don't get involved mm-hmm. to the moderate white mm-hmm. who said I'm gonna stay out of this mm-hmm. and he's calling him out mm-hmm. and um, so I, I would challenge all you know white pastors to read read his letter um, but back to your your question I think the thing that you know I have learned so much uh, through this time because. Um, Again, as a as a white man, you know, I didn't grow up with with this kind of um, oppression and mm-hmm. and kind of racism mm-hmm. that, that many have experienced. So now, what would you say to an African American who is trying to understand mm-hmm. you and 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 to some and perhaps to some degree the the Anglo community that that seems a splintered in its reaction, if I can say it that way. There are some people who are sensitive. There are some people who want to just sit on the sidelines. There certainly are other people who are bothered by the fact that we're even having the conversation. Sure. So, so what would you say to to this is this is your chance? Well, to the to the black to the, the African American about the, yeah. about the mixture of of Anglo reaction. Yeah. Okay, well, one thing I said from his pulpit uh, recently, in light of one of the craziest political seasons I think we've ever seen mm-hmm. in our country. Yeah, that's a whole other podcast we're not going <laughs> right, right now. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I referenced that. I referenced that, and I told his congregation, I said, listen, just hear me. Not all white people are crazy. Yeah. Uh, okay. Just, yeah. I just want to leave it there. But yeah. Um, and and what I and then what I went into or have talked about. Is you know there there are those uh, who there are white people 
who want to be part of the solution. Mm-hmm. Because the challenge is, and what I tell my people, you mm-hmm. know, we have folks in our church of great influence mm-hmm. um, in the city, and it mm-hmm. becomes a justice issue. Right. When you're in places of power mm-hmm. and authority and you do nothing mm-hmm. to help the situation, the plight of the, of the African-American or the poor or whoever that might be, um, white, Hispanic, otherwise. Right. Um, so that's one of the challenges is that I've brought uh, to our people there. But I think uh, back to the, you know, the message for the, the African-American, I think is to, gosh, continue to be uh, gracious and forgiving. And that's all that I have found mm-hmm. when I've come among my brothers and gone into the African-American churches, particularly Concord Church. Just so much grace that comes my way. But that would be the thing is continue to be um, patient and humble, and know that that not everybody's informed, and and then so the, the so they they need to understand that that there are those of us who are working, there are those who are for, you know, helping white folks come along in their understanding. Hmm. Now, Brian, uh, one aspect, and you've alluded to this already, is the disruption of uh, African American society that actually lasts for several generations. I mean, one of the typical Anglo response to the situation in the African American society is to say, "Well, my goodness, there's there's sure. so much violence and there's so much crime and there's you know, or or, or it's you know there's so much uh, familial dysfunction, um, uh, and so I, I suspect that one of the reasons Concord exists to grow people is sure. to try and be a factor in reversing all of this. Sure, sure. Um, uh, Explain to them. Explain to our audience how um, how uh, you seek to minister in the midst of this community to try and help uh, help from from within. You know, part of what we believe the gospel calls us to do mm-hmm. is this redemptive work mm-hmm. um, that all of us need. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, of course, oftentimes, because of economics and because of just societal in- issues, African-American families can sometimes be at the very core end of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's where, we, that's where we work. That's where mm-hmm. we do ministry, mm-hmm. um, that we serve families and we rebuild and we restore and we strengthen and we provide healing and we provide hope. And so that's what we do. We we're very involved in the community mm-hmm. uh, in every different aspect that we possibly can be, whether that's mass incarceration or prison ministry or or mentoring or in the educational process uh, or serving through a food pantry. Uh, we just believe that the gospel calls us to, to bring about restoration. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, we feel like reconciliation is an important part of that, mm-hmm. which means that partnerships uh, with other churches and trying to find ways that we can do this work together is crucial uh, because sometimes, although we may have, particularly in Dallas, although Southern Dallas may have, um, um, uh, Southern Dallas has some challenges, North Dallas may have greater resources. That's mm-hmm. just the way our city is structured. Mm-hmm. So how can we work together mm-hmm. uh, to really bring about the transformation and the change and the hope and the help that's needed in our community? So that's every day. That's what we're trying to do. I think, and that's why it's critical for the white leaders pastors in mm-hmm. particular to to take that step make mm-hmm. that first step mm-hmm. um, and we've learned to go um, when we've had meetings and such go there mm-hmm. right you know don't don't ask uh, our brothers to come come to where we are go there mm-hmm 
So, um, so, so, where does this sit now? You've met with the pastors for a while. They've exchanged, and I, I imagine, are there any other pairings that have happened along the lines oh, of what yeah. you guys yeah. have done? It's been amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, some of the unseen things, you mm-hmm. know, Brian and I have talked about this. You know, often in ministry, you're, you know, Lord, please, you know, Moses, show us your glory. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, do move, move. We feel like we've been trying to chase Him mm-hmm. uh, during this time, and. Hmm. Not that it hadn't been challenging and difficult, mm-hmm. but we really have been. One of the great gifts has been, as we've come together, you might imagine, and mm-hmm. this would be different for different churches of different sizes, but right. but we've come together. Our staff has come to know each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, my executive pastor has a best friend and his executive pastor now. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Our communication guys, our worship teams have had to work together. And that, again, n- a challenging because mm-hmm. we're different you know, ways of how we worship and come together. So mm-hmm. that's been a, bu- a great benefit. We've had our men who've come together. Mm-hmm. Uh, our men have gone there a couple mm-hmm. times. Their men have come to us. We had a room full of 500 men of our men that's and great. their men mm-hmm. talking about racial reconciliation yeah. mm-hmm. as we spoke from the – from the uh, platform there, and then they spoke at tables. We've had women who have had a book swap uh, and have read books together and then shared together. We had a kid swap at one point. So it's gone, and 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 more and more we've, we've sought to bring more uh, pastors into the pulpit swap, which we're going to do again next year. Hmm. So this is also the first year uh, the two of us swap pulpits, mm-hmm. and then this past Palm Sunday we had 18 churches, nine white, nine black, that swapped all of us on the same day. Oh, wow. And then our hope is to add more uh-huh. next year. But uh-huh. but just our, so our hope is to really just build those bridges hmm. and, and watch. And so when we did that with those 18 churches, listening to those pastors talk about, mm-hmm. you know, how the churches received it, uh, what was the conversation like. The goal is to model for our churches what the scriptures teach us about racial reconciliation, yes. to mm-hmm. help to help our churches understand that the matter of racial reconciliation is not going to be accomplished by the schools or the government. If the church doesn't step into that space, it'll never happen. Mm-hmm. We'll continue to have the proliferation of negative events. So the church has to own that. And so mm-hmm. that's what we're trying we're trying to raise up our churches mm-hmm. to understand that's your role on your workplace, in your neighborhood, at the school. Mm-hmm. Understand that's your role. You're a reconciler. And, and the, imme- the immediate impact of that, I think, is that y- there's a there is a testimony that comes out of that that you you can't <laughs> you you know it, it's not a public relations move. It's just it's just it's so counter to what. It's going on in the larger world that, yes. that it just stands sure. out sure. by default. Sure. That's right. uh, sure. And sure. so uh, I, I think that's a uh, that's a in, interesting way to to deal with this. Well, let me let me try a couple of other questions here. And remember that we are even though we're in Dallas, there are, you know the people listening to us all around the country. Sure. So. Um, so, what advice would you give? A, you know, maybe there's a pastor or church leader somewhere listening, going, "This sounds interesting, but it sure sounds sure, tricky." Sure, sure. Um, uh, what advice would you give for for getting started, or what you do with someone who feels an inkling? I might want to think about this, and and also, not only what advice would you give, but what pitfalls do you need to be aware of as you as you think about this? Yeah. Uh, and Brian, I'll let you start with that one. So. I think first of all, if I'm a pastor and I'm thinking about okay, how what can I do for my city? Mm-hmm. I think first of all, you've got to look for. I think it helps to have another brother to go with you. Mm-hmm. So find whether it's a black brother, white brother, Latino brother, just find another brother, 
uh, and just say, hey, how just begin the relationship there. Mm-hmm. And I think it starts there. Mm-hmm. And then from there, then I think, um, then you talk about, okay, how, what can we do with our churches together? Mm-hmm. Uh, can we do a service project together? Mm-hmm. Is there a common need in the city we could serve together mm-hmm. around? It's, it's about relationships. It, it really is. So I think just starting there and, and know that when you step into the relationship, that um, it may work, mm-hmm. it may not, and mm-hmm. that's okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. it may click, it may not, and I think you got to be open to that because it doesn't always. When we were approaching the pulpit swaps and we're trying to connect churches, mm-hmm. you ch- mm-hmm. this church, I mean, it's like it's like matchmaking. I mean, yeah. you're trying to figure <laughs> out is this guy going to work with yeah. this, and so it's okay if it doesn't work. It's okay if mm-hmm. it's challenging, mm-hmm. and I think the, the the leader has to be patient. Mm-hmm. He has to know it may not happen overnight. Mm-hmm. Night, mm-hmm. But a couple of lunches, a couple of connections, and then let's figure out how we can do it. Then I think the leader has to also think broadly. Mm-hmm. Okay, what what does this mean? How can we, uh, in a more tangible way, enlarge that reach? And mm-hmm. so that's those are kind of the approaches we've taken to kind of walk through this and uh, and just made it a part of who we are. We, I mean, it's been it's been a part. We, it's just we have to be very very intentional. Mm-hmm. I think that's another core tool. It's not you're something not, you do on the side. It's something you really got to be committed. to. You got to be committed to it yeah, because yeah, it's, yeah. you're too it takes, busy. You got too much. Time. Yeah, you got right. a lot of things going on. So you got to say this is going to be a priority. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give some time and energy once a quarter lunch, mm-hmm. one or two projects a year. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it just won't happen. Have you guys ever taught? I, I, I want to ask you the same question. Let me do that first before I ask the next question. So so what advice would you give and, and what are the pitfalls that you see? Yeah, real quick, Brian's done a good job there. What we realized was um, that it wasn't as easy maybe. You know, like this first time out, we thought, man, we got 50 churches. You know, that was kind of what I was thinking. We're going to go to 100 next year. And, mm-hmm. and what you discover, and and uh, I guess this should not have been a surprise, no wonder it's not happening. Well, it's mm-hmm. difficult. Yeah, uh, It's difficult yeah. for all these reasons you said. But one is, you know, you'd hope, and guys have asked us, hey, how, how are we supposed to connect with a, another pastor? And we'd say, um... Pick up the phone, you know, <laughs> yeah, right. or go knock on its door and um, take him to lunch. Yeah, but truthfully, you know, tr- truthfully, that, that's how it it's happens. a ten-digit dial or an email. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, because yeah. it did. It was they, they looked to us to like how you'll match us up. And, yeah, and and I think that's for anyone that's listening right now, any pastor leader. Uh, take that step. Mm-hmm. Take that step, and it might be that the first brother you come to say, "Wow." Just, you know, we didn't connect as friends. I love mm-hmm. it. But go to the next one, you know. Right. And I think just be diligent mm-hmm. in that until finally you'll find someone and then the then the trust grows, then you can move forward. Hmm. Have you guys discussed – I'm kind of transitioning now to where you go from here. But mm-hmm. have you guys ever discussed having a joint service, bringing your congregations together at the same time and having you share a pulpit and a message well, together? right after our first time, a million ideas came right. out. Uh-huh. And people were saying, what's next? Uh-huh. And that was the cool thing. That actually Right. This was my next question. Right. So, yeah, what are the next steps? Well, if right. guys, if guys will take this step, I'm telling you, it's happening in every one of it. But the first time we did a pulpit swap, our people are walking out of the services uh-huh. saying, "What are we doing next? Right. Yeah. When are we going to do this again?" Right. And some have said, uh, I've heard this, and and Brian could speak to our staff and others, mm-hmm. thinking, "How cool would it be to have an event where we come, you know, either together at one place or into some." 
I don't know, some larger arena or right, place where right, we could come together. Can do it. Right, yeah. yeah. Right. So that's, that's, yeah. So ever the two times we've swapped, we've had to ask the question, okay, what do we do now? Right. Do we have like A through Z right, come right, my, right, A through M yeah, and you yeah, bring yeah. in, how do we yeah, mix I'm this up? G, we, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. right. So we're, we're trying to figure yeah. out how do we intermingle? How do we, yeah. so we haven't quite figured it out yet. Yeah. We have to find another venue where we can bring our churches on that day. Mm-hmm. But we think that'd be neat. We just think it'd be great to see that pitch. Our choirs yeah. have been, they've shared space together. Yeah. So uh-huh. watching them sing uh-huh. together has uh-huh. been neat. But you're right. It's just, you just, every year you're just trying to figure out, okay, what's a fresh way uh-huh. to continue to connect the hearts more, of the people? And more and more of our people this time swapped. You know, uh-huh. they said, I'm going down there this time. Now, right. now you uh-huh. know, Brian, Brian's got his entourage comes with him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, then, and then I have some folks, but this time we had a lot more of our people come because they've now developed relationships. Right, right. One of the things that happened out That's of this, true. we got a men's group that meets right. every week. Yeah. Right. A discipleship right. group yeah. right. of our guys right. that said, let's yeah. do this. Yeah. And they've become best of friends. I mean, you it's know, incredible. We worked in West Dallas for a while out of the church that I'm in, and one of the things that they did was to produce an, an intramural sports league mm. in which right. teams were playing against. Now, you talk about bringing the I'm best sure. and worst out of people at <laughs> the same time, but there were relationships that grew out of that because yeah. after year after year, you're playing the same teams with the same guys. I knew a guy who could take me down and d- deep into the post, the little guy that I am, and, mm-hmm. and beat me to a drum, you know. But but it was but we got to know each other and 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 encourage one another and that kind of thing. Um, and there there are all kinds of possibilities for yeah, what can be yeah. one of the next steps we did this year. We added. Uh, we thought, hey, why don't we serve together? And so um, the the step out of the pulpit swap was everyone involved then come get involved in what we call Transform Dallas. Hmm. It's just a few weeks after right. our pulpit swap. Hmm. And uh, I, I've been told, and I believe it was, an historic day. It was a Saturday hmm. where we had 130 projects, nearly 4,000-plus oh, people wow. from churches, not just from the pulpit swaps, but hmm. ministries that we're, right. we're involved in throughout the year. Our, both of our churches are very active in the city, right. mm-hmm. as, as Brian mentioned, and many ministries. So kind of came together, and we sent people to places where they didn't normally always go. Uh-huh. Uh, right. So our people were down in South Dallas. Uh, other places around Fair Park, Southern Sector, uh, a lot of his folks were around, and other churches jumped in on that. Yeah, so, because right. the hope is the swap happens, the day of service, the swap pushes and promotes right. the day. This is right. our next step, right. and then out of that, we, we have several other things we've thought about. One of them is a as a Bible study curriculum. It's a mm-hmm. four week, either a preaching series or small group series mm-hmm. that we're still working through mm-hmm. that churches could use. So mm-hmm. that potentially when we do the swap, maybe next year he launches it. We all launch the same series, mm-hmm. and then we begin studying that together in the life of our churches oh, wow. because we we just believe that. If, if we can keep taking these next steps of uh, and then and then enlarging those involved, then we really can make some progress to help our hearts understand what God's called us on us. And t- together, mm-hmm. we're we're also excited. We're going to be in Charleston mm-hmm. in June for the anniversary of that tragedy there. Right. But just and they're planning works around that about mm-hmm. how there's national movements that are happening yes. around this matter of racial reconciliation. So it's just important that every leader understands. What does this look like for me, and how do I advance this work? Mm-hmm. Well, this is obviously a story to be continued. That we, you know, that we're kind of at this point in the journey, and I'm sure there's more coming, and we'll we'll keep our eye on it and have you guys back to talk about the rest of the story. I thank y'all for coming in thank and you. introducing yeah. this, it's been great, to be uh, with folks. You. And we appreciate the fact that you have come to be a part of the table. We look forward to having you back with us again. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening to The Table Podcast. For more podcasts like this one, visit dts.edu slash the table. Dallas Theological Seminary. Teach truth. Love well.